refreshing the feet. It's baseball I need. With Derek and Ben. And sometimes I'll chat about the cars. As when goes It's been a real big hit with doctors. And Seinfeld is their favorite to quote. Missouri is their alma mater. And John Hamm is a friend of the show. It's truly the best. Baby, it's podcast time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closets by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould. Joined this week, and to be honest, the holiday tune there that we let off the podcast with a, a throwback given to us, written and performed by Annalise Crowder and Rob Crossley. That song probably gave it away, because joining me here for the year-end podcast, our 41st episode of this season, 43rd of the year, Benjamin Hockman, St. Louis Post-Dispatch sports columnist. Benjamin, how, I guess, what do we say here? We don't say, do we say, thank goodness it's a new year? Is that the appropriate phrase? Yeah, I'm just like, please, can we have a new year? Like, can this actually happen? We're so close. Do you, do you, uh, do you still remember the tune of Baby It's Podcast Time? It's I, your ringtone, rem- right? Yeah, it's my ringtone. Moreover, I just remember how just how cool it was uh, and how humbling it was that they, they worked so hard on it. And, and it really is a great tune, very creative as well. I got to come up with, we got to come up with a way to, to maybe get some updated music with the best podcast in baseball. I got, I got baseball cards and I got books I could give away. So maybe in the new year, I come up with a way to create a contest to, uh, to finally um, have a like podcast theme song, as opposed to, what my friend Tyler Kepner calls the jaunty intro. <laughs> the it is podcast in baseball. Yeah. It's uh I think Derek, you should get like a um what like a nineteen eighty seven sitcom type opening with with a with a song, uh kind of a cheesy song, but 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 yet it's in your head for the entire week. One of those situations. Oh yeah. I, I you know one of the things when we had a uh, a radio show long, long ago, the writer's block, which you named, uh, you know, the uh the sound of the typewriter in the background, that that's something that I miss. If I could somehow oh, incorporate yeah. the sound of maybe the clickety clack of a laptop keyboard or something, that that would be nice. I like it. Make it happen. So Benjamin, I I wanted to have this podcast here with you for, so we could use that uh that wonderful holiday tune but also because you've been working on a part of the year in review packages that the st louis post dispatch has put together um they've rolled out the top five stories for every one of the beats at the paper um ben Fredrickson wrote uh you know the 10 biggest stories in st louis sports for a recent sunday and you know one of the things now as new year's day approaches is looking forward to 2021. And I know that you have put together some thoughts as to what you would like to see, what you hope to see in 2021. And so much of the recent episodes here of BPIB have looked back, looked back at who was lost, looked back at the season, looked back at the defining moments of 2020 for the Cardinals. They wanted to use this episode to look ahead. Um, It was a big year for you. You became a father. Um, You you have... To look forward to, uh, you know, a first birthday this in 2021. But on the field, over on the on the professional side for you, what are some things that you're looking forward to for for 2021? Gosh, man, there's I mean, no, normalcy is is the is the desire for for so many people. And, and I don't know how quickly we will get to it or or will normalcy be skewed forever? Uh, is, is, is the word itself normal uh, now abnormal? Um, I, 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 I just, I look forward to a regular scheduled Cardinals season. We go to spring training opening day in late March and there's Clydesdales and there's fans and there's, and there's Mike Shannon and, and there's red jackets. And I just don't know if that, well, I don't think that's going to happen in 2021, no. but, but at least, um, at least there'll be a, probably a, a 
pretty long baseball season instead of a uh, 60 game sprint, if you will. So I look forward to that. Yeah. You know, the idea is that they're going to try to do some sort of math for how long a season can they have with people in the stands. You know, it just seems increasingly that owners uh, want to be allergic to the notion of empty ballparks where they can't sell tickets. Um, They'd rather have, you know, 60 home dates with people in the stands than 81 with 21 of them not, you know, empty. So, you know, that that seems to be our head, but there's still more questions than answers, as they say. Um, in the first month, that's something to look forward to is more direction from Major League Baseball. You got NHL starting in January. The NBA is already starting. They've, you know, the NBA has had some issues already. Um, yeah. Both are trying to mimic the, um, you know, what baseball pulled off in 2020, which was having teams move around. Um, you know, this is the first time that the NHL and the NBA has done that. So in January, one thing to look forward to early is not just maybe some actual player movement of some of the higher priced and bigger name free agents, but some direction to Major League from Major League Baseball that could spur that. You know, it does seem like the lack of information on the DH, the lack of information on length of season, even the notion of when spring training or how spring training will look and start is holding back the free agent market a little bit. So that that's something to look forward to in January. Unfortunately, it's also something that could change as quickly as February or March with the way things are going. Um, What is there? Do you do you want to see the DH in the NL? Uh, No, but I don't think I have a choice. Right. I mean, I I think it's going to be inevitable. You know, I grew up in St. Louis and I don't even think that I mean, I say that. But even if I grew up in Poughkeepsie, like I I love the National League game. There's, There's something classic to it. There's something I guess these days unique to it. It's the only league with without the DH. Um, but the reality is uh, having a ninth batter that can actually, you know, hit baseballs often uh, will lead to more offense. Some offense. What's your thoughts on where you'd like to see some of these big name free agents land? Wow, that's that's a great question. And as we're recording this, it's it's um, it's been Padres explosion. Um, <laughs> yeah. AJ Preller week. AJ Preller week. I mean, it, it's incredible. Other Cardinals aren't bringing back Colton Wong for financial reasons. You know, other teams are, are skimping here and there. And the Padres are like, we'll take anyone as long as they're amazing. And then they're just, they're just, they're just accumulating superstars. Uh, it really is a fascinating storyline. And, uh, and gosh, I mean, like who, who's the, Who's the fifth best pitcher on the Padres now? <laughs> like, like that's how yeah. good their rotation is. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm very curious where where someone like a like a George Springer uh, ends up. But you would just have to think it's going to be a team in a bigger market that that um, is more willing to gamble uh, in this uh, you know time of influx influx. And one of the things about Preller Palooza was the Darvish trade, which the Cubs did not get a whole lot in return, at least not a lot of immediate help. They got a lot of future help. Um, clearly sent a shiver through the industry because it was such a a money dump, um, but with a contract that's rather friendly. I mean, you could look at the money that Snell makes and the money that, you know, um, that Darvish is guaranteed. And while there's $20 million different, a little less than $20 million difference, it's hard to argue that Snell is the definite better value there. It might be that Darvish is the better contract that they took on, which uh, speaks to the urgency with which the Cubs had to divest themselves of some money. That that is alarming. Do you do you yeah. does that give you concern going into the twenty twenty one? Sure. I mean, I think I think the Colton Wong thing kind of started ringing the bells uh, at the time that that here's a proud franchise that raised a player, homegrown player, became a gold glove winner, a fan favorite, all these things. And they decided to get to say, we're not bringing you back because we're going to save about $12 million. Uh, um, I, I think that the Cubs thing is startling because it's, it's twofold. It's, it's this famous franchise suddenly transitioning from winners into rebuilders and it's happening in the 2020-2021 era where where finances are different in Major League Baseball. So it's a twofer out there in uh, Chicago. That dynasty really didn't uh, didn't last as long as they hoped, did it? It never really happened. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you're going to use the word dynasty, you have to win at least a minimum two championships, right? Yeah, remember that night in Pittsburgh all those years ago? We were at PNC Park. Uh, you know, we were there seeing the Cubs, you know, crowned as the wild card champ. Is that what they call that? The winner of the play-in game and a bound for a playoff series with their longtime rival, the Cardinals. It sure seemed like something was brewing there, and it just never catalyzed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we could do a whole separate podcast just about the, how, how do we analyze these Cubs years because uh, they, they, I mean, they made the playoffs numerous times, but as you've mm-hmm. written about a lot, and, and and we know, like each year the Cubs did poorer and poorer in the postseason. Um, so, and it really comes back to the like the whole argument of like how do you assess a successful baseball season. Clearly, if you win the World Series, successful season. But how about this? If you get to the World Series and lose, successful season? Probably. Okay, but what if you get to the NLCS? Well, I don't know. I mean, was the 2019 Cardinals a successful season? Ask a lot of Cardinals fans, they'll say no, because they blew it in the NLCS, whereas the Cubs made one of those NLCSs, didn't make the World Series. You know, I'm, so I'm, I'm kind of rambling here. But but yeah, at the end of the day, if you're going to – the way it's seen – was that everybody in Chicago thought that that team was going to win at least two minimum, maybe more. And the reality is we see it is tough. It is. I'll never forget Peyton Manning. It's a very simple quote. He just said like, it is hard to win an NFL game. Like, like even if you're playing the jets or the worst team, like it is still hard because those are very talented people out there. It is hard to win a world series. The Los Angeles Dodgers have had so many great teams since 1988. And until this year, they hadn't won the world series once. Uh, and then, so, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's very fascinating. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something that probably deserves to be mentioned more often is during the Yadier Molina, Adam Wainwright era, which if it ends, and and we'll talk about that, I want to get your thoughts on that, but if it ends, they won two titles. That's the same amount of titles in that same span that the Yankees and Dodgers won combined. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean that, that oh, wow. now the Giants were ahead and the the Red Sox did pretty well of course but you know the Cardinals got to four champions or four World Series in Yadier Molina's tenure they got to three in Adam Wainwright's as it currently stands they won two oh six and eleven and the Yankees won oh nine and the Dodgers won nineteen so that's something to keep in mind I want to ask you this question and give you time to think about it and then okay. come back after I tell people about our sponsor but here's the question. When the Cubs began that run um, in 15 and they ousted the Cardinals in the playoffs, there was a stark difference in how those two teams were built. The Cubs thought that they could acquire pitching from outside, pay for it, and supplement what their, uh, what their farm system could not produce while betting big on the talented hitters that they had. The Cardinals were all about pitching development, and they still remain that way acquire depth, build pitching, and then trade it for things that, you know, you think they need, like whether that's Zach Gallen or Sandy Alcantara or any number of things, you know, that Luke Weaver, um, or rely on it. Daniel Ponce de Leon, Austin Gomber, um, you know, Johan Oviedo, as they had to do in 2020. So this is a question for you to think about. Okay. Is the fact that the Cardinals continue to win divisions, continue to contend, and the Cubs are now in the spot that they are in, is that validation that the Cardinals approach to team building actually has better staying power? That's what I want you to think about while I tell people about the best podcast and baseball sponsor. Imagine your home totally organized closet by design of St. Louis can help you get organized with 40% off plus an additional 15% off. And now get free installation at closet by design. Call one 800 by design, that's 1-800-B-Y-D-E-S-I-G-N. Call 1-800-BY-DESIGN today. Closet by Design in St. Louis, the official sponsor of the best podcast in baseball. All right, Benjamin. So now that the Cardinals are positioned where they are in what is a weakened NL Central, and they still won division titles along the way while the Cubs were ostensibly in their reign, does that validate the long-term view that they had to build around pitching and suggest that maybe the Cubs crumbled because they didn't. I mean, I, I, I I don't want to just say yes or no. I, and I hate, I know a lot of my job as a sports columnist and I do, I say, yes, this is great. No, this is terrible. I I think you can make a case 
that of course, I mean, they're winning divisions and the Cardinals are still, even in a year where um, a lot of people think they're, they're going to be pretty bad offensively, they're, they're still um, a talented team because of their pitching, if only because of their pitching. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think it's as cut and dry as like, if you go for pitching, you're going to be all right. If you go for hitting, then you're, it's going to be, a, it's a quick fix and you're going to fall apart. I think, I think it's more nuanced and we have to look at how each team was built. I think, to, to your question specifically, I think it's very, very uh, impressive that the Cardinals have built so much depth with pitching because, like you said, then they're able to trade and, and pick up pieces um, at different positions that, that they don't have. Uh, whereas if you're, you're banking on just a few batters, then you gotta, you got to hope you can buy that pitching, and it's not that, – that's a steep price as we see. The Cubs talked about after making the U Darvish trade that they had to start making moves for the future. So let's pivot then and talk about their rival for the future. What are some things you want to see, you hope to see in 2021 for the Cardinals on the field? Well, the the, the natural thing is is they, they need some more. And I believe the, um, the, the specific phrasing is oomph. They need more offensive oomph. Um, I don't know where do they. I, I like Jack Peterson. Do they get it from Jack Peterson? Do they get it from a, another another free agent? Do they make a trade? But clearly, the Cardinals um, have. It's it's really like if, if when we look back at these past couple of years, I think people would be like, "How how did they possibly make the playoffs twice with that bad an offense?" It's it's almost mind boggling, and um, you know Paul Goldschmidt was really good last year, but besides that, I mean the Cardinals were just terrible offensively. Um, so someone like Paul DeYoung, I wrote about a week or two ago. I mean, I mean, here's a guy that the Cardinals are really high on, uh, to the point where, where manager Mike Schilt, you know, in a zoom with us was saying like, he's already taken the next step. He's already taken the next step to be a, a great player in the major leagues. But if you look at his stats after in the four years after his rookie year, he's, his OPSs are terrible each year and we can make excuses and make and point out some facts too. Like, Oh, he was, he played too many games that one year. Oh, he was coming back from COVID. And these are real things. But the reality is like this guy was a cleanup hitter. <laughs> and if, if any other team, if, if, if any other team got, got Paul DeYoung in a trade, they'd be like this guy, like they'd look at the stats. Like, why are we yeah. trading for this guy? Meanwhile, the Cardinals are like, this is our key hitter besides Paul Goldschmidt. So it kind of shows the, the state of the Cardinals offense. So here's hoping for them that they're able to get some more, some more oomph definitely from the, the left side. And, uh, and I have some other thoughts too, about things I, I hope happen, but love to hear your thoughts about that, Derek. If you know, they've gone and given this offense, a year and a half, right? Uh, 162, 220 games to prove itself. And what is it? It's below average. Um, it's below average with Azuna in it. It's below average with them turning to their young guy, young hitters. Um, and I understand that, like, you don't want to put a whole lot of stock into the short season. But, it, you know, it just seems like it's a lot to ask of the same group. And you kind of hit on one of the reasons why is because the focus is on the shortstop being the cleanup hitter and not on the fact that the outfield <laughs> where hitters are supposed to roam, especially in the corner spots are given, you know, seven, eight, nine in the order. I mean, any sort of offensive Renaissance that they have, you know, it, it, Paul D young can be a part of it. Um, but it sure seems like the outfield has to be the engine agent of change. Right. Yeah. And then, and that leads into the, Dylan Carlson part of this is how much, how good can he be? And then how realistically good will he be in 2021? Uh, right. I mean, clearly there are so many signs that show that this switch hitting young outfielder is going to be a, a perennial stud outfielder in the major leagues. But we're talking about next year, his first full 162 or however many games there are season in, in the majors. Realistically, how much offense can they get out of the guys at 800 OPS? Is that 785 or is it 885? I mean, it, it, it's hard to, to gauge right now. Clearly, he's going to start every game and, and be within the top, I presume, four or five hitters on the St. Louis Cardinals. But they're, they're banking on something that hasn't produced a full season yet. Right. Well, and I think that's a lot to ask, like almost in the same conversation, right? It, don't you think it's a lot to ask of Dylan Carlson and Paul DeYoung to carry the offense? 
Right, right, right. And I mean, or I mean, even compliment Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, look, are are the are they that type of hitter today? Right, exactly. It, 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 that's exactly today, heading into 2021. Uh, and that's why I believe the Cardinals, and it's not like I'm going out on a limb here, the Cardinals should get a new player. Uh, how much will that guy cost? I don't know. Is, is it going to be a platoon outfielder? That makes the most financial sense for their current situation. But you would have to think that, I mean, and I know you you wrote a lot about David Dahl when he was available. There was a lot to like about I I him. I tweeted a lot about him. Tweeted, excuse me, tweeted a lot about Dan yeah. Dahl. Um, Maybe um, chatted a lot about him. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, that was an, an enticing player, of course. Um, of course, he is now unavailable. He went to, to Texas, I believe. Uh, but yeah. I, I look at Jock Peterson as a guy who still has has a lot – there's still a lot to like about Jack Peterson – uh, from the left side, if if they can get him, and but but if it's not him, then who? And it's just it again, they're not going to be able to spend on a George Springer. I mean, George Springer would answer would would solve a lot of problems, but it uh, and but and maybe they would have gotten him in a previous off season, but but not this off season. Does that bother you? Does that trouble you that they are not a player for the, you know, for for a player like George Springer? And here here's my thinking. All right, and why I ask and. I'm going to try to, you know, this year there's the best way to put it is there's more supply than demand, right? Not a lot of teams are spending. We see the moves that the Cubs made. We see other moves that teams made where they're non-tendering players. We see the move the Cardinals made with Colton Wong. So that's created a market where there's a lot of players available. And it sure seems like you might be able to get, you know, $2 worth of war for $1.50 of spending, right? Um, you know, or even dollar spending, or in some cases, because players have been non-tendered, get that player and that talent with some control, like David Dahl, right? Yeah. Um, you know, along those lines, or like John Brebbia, there's another example. Like the Giants got years of control just by giving him a major league contract for the coming year, um, you know, after the Cardinals declined to present him one and allowed him to become a free agent. That That control has value. Do you, does it trouble you that the Cardinals are sort of biding their time, bowing out, talking about not spending this year when maybe the prices are going to be better than ever for talent? And they should, as much as any team, bank on the fact that revenue is going to return, right? I mean, they're the Cardinals, so they're going to sell tickets, you know, two, three, four years. It might, it might hurt for a little while, but eventually they're the Cardinals. You know, they're they're not going to capsize. You know, their fan base isn't going to, like, vanish. Um, eventually, they're going to have full houses again. And they can probably, as much as any team, they have the rights fee done, too. They also have, you know, the, the rights fee done on yesterday's dollars, pre-COVID, you know, broadcast deal. Yeah. Um, that, that means millions. And, you know, they also have $60 million coming off the book in the coming year. Does right. it trouble you? And that's that's kind of the crux. Is does this does it trouble you that the Cardinals don't act like the Cardinals and say we're going to come out of this okay? Let's take advantage now, as opposed to waiting next year when they might have to just pay you know two fifty three dollars for two dollars of of production. Yeah, uh, but and I know I know we're using value in regards to war and, and production, but gosh, some of those names, right? <laughs> so some of those names uh, that are available. Next year, I, I, I'm sure they're looking at saying like, "All right, if we can," and they're not going. This is this is me talking. This is not the Cardinals' way of, of of saying something, but perhaps they're saying like, "Look, we are not in a good financial spot right now." Yes, Derek is right. We'll probably have full houses in 2022, 2023, but right now things aren't good. But you know what else isn't good? Our division, <laughs> and and uh, so I think we can still win this thing. With with what we got right now, yeah, maybe we go out and get one more bat, but not a George Springer. Let's get let's supplement, uh, get a platoon player, make it through the season, get Carpenter off the books, get some other money off the books, and hopefully are coming off another playoff season, three in a row for our our team, when we can make a huge splash in the uh, 2021 offseason, heading into 22. How would you like to see them? You mentioned getting to the playoffs. Do you think? The, would would you like to see them maybe, or would you would you argue that they should add as they go? For example, if fans are allowed in the ballpark and they're able to sell tickets, 
then start making moves at the trade deadline. Because, you know, one of the things that the Cardinals have not done all that well is win the auctions, right? And next yeah. year with the free agent, it just could be auctions galore considering the talent available. Yeah, no no question. We also wonder how many teams will be participating in those auctions because maybe the Cardinals will be okay financially, but will some of the, the uh, smaller market teams be able Great to point. big players? Um, but yeah, I, I think, I, I think, and again, I, I, as I say, this is not like this is some crazy proclamation. The Cardinals should try to win the division this year. And especially if um, they, there, there's a possibility for a trade within the season. Yeah, definitely do. It. I mean, they should pounce on this division right now. If they, if they can compete in it last year, surely they can compete in it this year. Is winning the division enough considering the Padres and the Dodgers exist? Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's the big question, right? I, and I, I wrote a piece just a couple of weeks ago and, and um, the days run together. It might've been last week about, about, um, about what, what makes a good season and how successful is a postseason. Uh, because, because t- again, two years ago, they made the final four of baseball, um, but yeah. they, they didn't get a win in that. And they struck out, you know, 40, whatever times in that series. And, and so it was looked as like, okay, sure. You beat the Braves. That was cute. That was sweet. But like, come on, how far away are you really from being an elite team? Um, so yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, man. Like they're like the, the Dodgers and the Padres Dodgers for real and the Padres on paper are, are so good and so far ahead of, of other teams that the, yeah, it, it's very daunting. It, 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 it's quite daunting. It's almost like in the NBA where it's like these other Western conference teams are pretty good, but gosh, the Lakers have the best and the second best player in basketball. Oh, and got two new key guys to come off their bench after winning the championship. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it, again, just got, I think they just have to make the playoffs this year, stay, stay relevant um, and, and go make huge moves if they can after that to become the Cardinals that we, uh, that we remember. It's interesting. Cause when we talk about windows, we talk about like, okay, this is their window to win. And maybe we could approach the Padres in that same way, right? They've spent to get Hosmer and Machado and, they got a young, talented player who's not yet making the big bucks in Fernando Tatis Jr. They go out and make these moves for the pitcher. They sign Kim from Korea to be an infielder for them. And it's clearly that they're trying to strike during a window where the Dodgers are also good. Um, and we, we often talk about that. But we don't talk about teams acknowledging other clubs' window and just saying, you know what, we're going we're gonna to sneak our shut a little bit. We're going to sneak our shut. Do you? You think the Cardinals might benefit from doing that? Like, you know, that just like, hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe this isn't our time. Let, let's 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 reconvene in twenty twenty two. Yeah, but I mean, the difference is if the Cardinals air quotes sneaking shut their window is still trying to make the playoffs, whereas another team sneaking shut the window is like we're the Baltimore Orioles or we're the we're right, the Detroit Tigers right. or one of these 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 woebegone teams uh, in recent seasons. What are what are what are two ways you think the Cardinals or you hope the Cardinals, as you look to twenty twenty one, can fix the offense? What are two things that you would you want to see happen from the offense specifically? Yeah, well, to, I mean, to improve the offense. You mentioned Paul DeYoung. Yeah. Is that is that one? Yeah, I mean, well, this is this is going to sound very uh, I don't know if crass is the right word, but like one way to to improve the offense is to cut ties with Tyler O'Neill. Um, I love the guy, but I, I think I think we've seen over the course of numerous seasons that that sure he's got power, but that comes with a lot of strikeouts and a lot of futility uh, offensively. The I, the irony, of course, is that he's now a Gold Glove outfielder, um, and he earned it. He won the award, sure, but I, I just don't think that giving Tyler O'Neill hundreds and hundreds of at bats in the 2021 season. Uh, will, will benefit the St. Louis Cardinals, so that may, so maybe that's that's one of my my hopes. No offense to the O'Neill family, if you're if you're listening. Um, uh, and then yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned again, I I kind of jumped on this Jack Peterson bandwagon. I've, sure, I've always been sure. fascinated by him, and I, I don't. See, why not? Why not, Jock? Well, as I say, I hope they get Jack Peterson. I hope they they bring in his lefty bat, and he's a. Uh, I mean, clearly everyone listening to this knows about Jack Peterson. He's now a 
World Series champion. He's he's a, been an All Star. He had a he had a down regular season last year, but we can always make the case like, well, what was that? It was just a sixty game sprint. And and uh, I mean, I always love using the um, Washington Nationals analogy. Like they essentially had the same record to start the past two seasons. But mm-hmm. two seasons ago, there was another 100 games, and they went on to be the champion. This season, the season just ended because of the 60 games, and they didn't make the playoffs, and they were under 500. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that Jack Peterson will have a good baseball season next year, regardless of what's screaming across the front of his chest. Here's hoping for Cardinals fans. It's the birds on the bat. Do you think that he's a everyday starter or that he's part of matchup mania? I think it's part of matchup mania and um, and we, we look at Harrison Bader and I know he irks a lot of the fan base, but he's, he's so good at run prevention in center field and so good against one type of pitcher that maybe there, there's your matchup situation uh, with, with Bader and um, Jock Peterson. And then Fowler and Carlson oh. are your other ones and Lane Thomas fits in somewhere. Yeah, I, I I love Lane Thomas as a as a fourth outfielder as a as huh. on on the team. I I uh, I know I know there's only three spots, so um, it's it's hard to get everybody at bats. But I would rather see Lane Thomas get more shots than than Tyler O'Neill continue uh, to get more shots. When I say shots, I mean at bats. On the on the pitching side, what do you hope happens in 2021? What would you like to see happen there? Yeah, and I put this in this uh, in this column here, Derek. The, the thing I I hope is that um, here's hoping that 2021 Alex Reyes gets to be Alex Reyes, uh, whether he's a starter or a reliever. Let's get this guy one full season, can we? Uh, I uh, I mean, and and I mentioned this here, like what a snapshot if you look at the 2017 Baseball America Top 100 list. You got seven top players. Six of them, six of the seven, have become World Series champs, MVP, All-Star, etc. Ben Attendee, Yohan Makata, Danzy Swanson, Gleyber Torres, Austin Meadows, an All-Star, and then Cody Bellinger, of course. That's six of the seven. The other guy is Alex Reyes on that list, mm-hmm. and he is yet to, to become the guy we, we think he could be. He's been uh, perceived to be. Uh, he's a good guy also. Um, it's, gosh, it would just be nice to see him be a key player for the Cardinals. And in, in, in limited innings last year, 19 two-thirds innings, he struck out 27 dudes. He looked pretty good last year. So here's hoping that Alex Reyes gets to be a get a full season. Is he a starter or a reliever for you? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm dancing around your question by saying like – like, Are you literally how- dancing right I'm now? doing Charleston. Yeah, around yeah. your question right now, the Charleston. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm literally dancing to Charleston and saying that we have to see how it, how how his strength, the strength of his arm when he comes into this camp, whatever the camp situation is. Yeah, is and it, that's that's a big question. Starter, yeah, right. That's a big question for a lot of the guys. Is you know where do they fit and how many innings can they pack on? The Cardinals are going to bring Alex Reyes. Uh, into spring as a starter and that's how they're going to let him look uh you know they're probably going to do the same they're definitely going to do the same with Ponce de Leon and Gomber it'll be real interesting to see what they decide to do with uh Yenesis Cabrera um who has the stuff of a starter but also has the stuff of being just a wicked lefty out of the bullpen um just a remarkable year possibly ahead for him he he and Cody Whitley could be pretty strong picks to click there. When you look at the starting rotation, then what what do you want to see from Jack Flaherty? How do you let's let's first start here. How do you see 2020 for him? What what's your read on what happened in 2020? A year that began with him being a preseason Cy Young favorite. Yeah, um, it, it was an inconsistent year for Jack Flaherty. It was a tumultuous year. Um, I. I Clearly, um, he he took a step from a um, public standpoint, from being a, a public figure and and speaking out his thoughts on on social justice issues and things like that. I don't know. I, I mean, he's got all the talent in the world, and he's got the work ethic to to back it up. I think he's going to have a great career and and a strong season 
uh, next year. And hopefully, uh, the, hopefully he doesn't face the Brewers too much though, or hopefully he's figured that thing out. Do you think that this, did you just kind of dismiss it and he starts 2021 where he left off 2019? Well, I mean, when he left off 2019, he was, he was 1968, Bob Gibson, you know, he was, he was having yeah. the greatest second half ever in baseball history. Arietta esque from, from, what was that 16 or 15? But, uh, yeah, yeah um, no, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say he's going to be that good, but yeah, I just, I, I have faith similar to where it's like you can, you can pencil in Paul Goldschmidt for at least an 800 OPS. I think you can pencil in Flaherty for a, a pretty a above average, uh, 2021 season as a starter. Is that good enough? Does he need to be the, ace of the staff does he need to be the definitive ace complete with production and innings in 2021 that's a great question i mean i mean he definitely has the capability um i mean that 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 is that is who he can project to be um when you say ace of the staff i mean well first of all is wainwright on the staff i'm not saying he's an ace but he's clearly a leader of the staff um i i guess what if i'm hearing your question right like like is is does he need to to exceed expectations with numbers? I'm talking about Flaherty uh, because of the other dudes that are in the rotation. I don't know. I think the Cars are going to have a pretty strong rotation, regardless of which five end up there. So as, I, I think as long as Flaherty has a really good season, I think the other guys will, will will do their parts as well. I just I guess I'm asking like you know, let's say they have a rotation that can contend at eight. Does if Flaherty's an ace, does it crank it up to? 10 is you know if they're not gonna if they're only going to nudge up the offense a little bit then how good does Flaherty have to be at the front end of the rotation for the Cardinals to be division winners how good does he have to be for them to contend with some of the other NL you know leaders in a short season or short series excuse me the expectations from from this chair are very high for for Jack Flaherty and I mean, here, here's thinking that he can be a pitcher that any baseball fan or any executive is like, that's a top pitcher in the National League. Um, and so can he? will he be that guy next season? I mean, there's, there's a lot to wonder about these guys who pitched a small amount of – I mean, everybody had short seasons. Uh, I mean, they didn't throw a lot of innings. It's going to be interesting to see how everybody uh, responds, recovers, bounces back from, from that just weird – duration of time that was 2020 um but yeah i think i think i think he's going to be really good next year i think come playoff time cardinals fans are gonna be like yes we're giving we're giving jack flirty the baseball in a playoff game not like oh well hopefully we can survive the flarity start and just get to the kim start well gosh you, you touched on a couple different things there that i want to get to um as far as like you're you're you know looking ahead to 2021 um, let's, let's go here. Adam Wainwright, Yadier Molina. What's your hope for where they are in 2021? I, I mean, I hope they're back. I, I hope that the Cardinals don't do anything ridiculous financially, perhaps with the catcher involved here. Um, I mean, I, I think they can, I mean, there's, there's a lot of aspects to, to, what Yadier's contract can be, right? Uh, with regards to the option year, how many years, how much money up front, things like that. There's different ways to to do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're talking about these aren't just great players; these are legacy players. Uh, these are Red Jackets. Uh, Yadier probably have his number retired. Um, we're, we're talking about icons, and we're also talking about. Um, Key contributors. I mean, Wainwright's great. I mean, Wainwright, how old's Wainwright? Uh, 39 or 29? Yeah. Or, you know, I'm making a joke. Like, he's, he's, he's 39, he's pitching like he's 29. I mean, it's incredible. And uh, and Yadier, as we know, and um, we've, we've been talking about it in this city since 2004. Uh, he What he brings to the table is beyond just uh, a batting average or a, an OPS. Uh, and he, he's so valuable. He, he's a second pitching coach. He he enhances, he enhances other guys' statistics, other pitchers' statistics, uh, just by existing. So that's that's pretty important. So hopefully they'll work that out. It would just be weird. It would just be it would just be weird to see Yadier in, in any other uniform. Do you what, what what price tag do you put on legacy? 
Yeah, I mean that's a great question, and I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I came prepared to answer that right now. I don't have a, a number in front of me, but I think yeah, no, I know, but it could yeah. be like something. Like, do you do you think that should like you mentioned that you hope they don't pay too much for Molina? I mean, do you almost have to make that decision outside the realm of finances and just say that that's that's the decision that Molina Molina alone is worth? Yeah. Um, again and again, it comes back. We can combine parts of this conversation, right? Like, yeah. you're also making the Molina decision in the 2021 situation where the division is down, and and right. if you can get it in one year, and and you can, you know, I mean, you can probably win the division regardless. And so I, there's different ways to look at it, but I, I just, the Cardinals MO is, is not to let Alex Petrangelo go to the Vegas golden Knights. You know what I mean? The, uh-huh. the Cardinals wouldn't let Petro go like the blues did. Um, now you could argue that it, it worked out well for the blues and they, they got another good free agent defenseman and Tory Krug and all's well, but it's it's just different because it's the Cardinals, and I and I think they put a huge price on legacy. Which brings me to the kind of tie those two topics together. You mentioned Flaherty and how he'd be somewhat like an event pitcher, right? A, a pitcher who people want to see, like a, a guy that you tune in to watch, or a guy you come to the ballpark to see. You know, dynamic pricing is going to inch up the cost of tickets on the day he pitches, for example. And then yeah. we talk about Molina and Adam Wainwright, uh, you know, as far as like Redcoats and, you know, the history that they have with the Cardinals and how popular they are as Cardinals, even in the autumn of their career. Is, are those two things enough, in your opinion, to stimulate interest in the Cardinals? Do you, or do you think that the Cardinals are in need of doing that or that they can just bank on the fans being there because of the laundry? Great question. I, I wonder, and I guess I'm starting a dialogue with you here. Is like, is there, are all things equal in regards to having an event pitcher and having an event position player? No, I don't like, know. That's a great question. I don't think they are. Yeah. I mean, like, and I, yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like, like if you, if you've got more, more fans or I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about like a Ken Griffey Jr. from his heyday. Like, like fans were like, yeah, we've got Griffey more than they were like, yeah, we've got Randy Johnson. I mean, they were also like, yeah, Randy Johnson's pretty good, but like Griffey, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is like in baseball, in modern baseball, and maybe always in baseball, in a sport that's about hitting the ball hard, about making diving catches, uh, the, the visual of the offense and the, the impact of the offense, both to statistics and score and just what it does to a fan, um, mm. it leads me to think that that while it's exciting to have an event pitcher, goodness gracious, it's more fun to have um, Albert Pujols. So do the Cardinals need star power? Do you think that's something that they need, you know, to go back to sort of what's become the, the through line of our conversation, you know, if the – if the Cardinals can bank on being the Cardinals again, you know, do they need to do something to add to their star power to be a draw or can they reminisce and bring Molina back and Wainwright back? And that will get the fans energized. Well, I think that's great points you're making. And there's just so much more into the conversation of what will energize Steve St. Louis in June of 2021. You know what I mean? Yeah, like like uh, I mean, are, how are how are his finances? Uh, are they where they used to be? Um, is he afraid to go? If let's say they're having fans at the ballpark, is he afraid to go down there? Does and then does does is Yadier the tipping point? Is he like I don't know if I want to go in public yet? Oh, but I get to see Yadier one last time. I'm going to go downtown. I know that's a very specific example, but it, it does lead to kind of what you're saying is like, what is the draw of the baseball team in 2021? Uh, in this peculiar, unique year. It's it's probably a really cynical view, but it's probably a realistic view that the Cardinals could bring back Molina and Wainwright, sell 2021 as your last chance to see these Cardinal greats, have a farewell tour, a victory lap, if you will, and, oh, by the way, win a weekend division. I mean, that, that's probably a cynical view, but it it's realistic that that could be, you know, that this is the, this is, 
this is the, you know, the, yeah, the farewell tour in yeah. a weekend division where you don't need to do much more. Yeah. I, and I wonder how, cause they don't just, you don't just come out and literally say it. So how <laughs> do you, right? I think I just did. You, you and I can, Ben Fred and Gordo can, but I'm saying like, can, can Bill DeWitt Jr. in the third and Mosellock do that? No. So like, what, what is there, if, if they are to believe what you just said, how do you, uh, slyly, if that's an adverb, how do you, how do you cleverly and, and also with, 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 um, tact do that where it's like, Hey, it's your last chance to see Yachty, but make it like an event. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, how do they, Oh yeah. That's yeah. That's why. Yeah. yeah. I just, that's why I'm saying, I'm not sure that they would say it out loud, but it, it would be interesting if they saw 2021 in that way, like, all right, let's, let's not do much. Golly, this just, just seems so terrible for a team to go like, well, it won't take much to win the division. All right, yawn. Well, we could we could invigorate the fan base by having guys come back. But the, the benefit is that they have is that they would be bringing back guys who, you know, aren't who are contributors. I mean, you could argue that Wainwright was the MVP of this past year and Molina, you know, continues to keep himself in shape and is clearly influential on the team's. Uh, you know, pitching staff and also contact hitter. He continues to be 2000 hit this past year. Um, not the power he used to have, but he still adds depth to a lineup, especially if he's not asked to bat fifth, you right, know, right, right. be like the yeah. crooked number provider. Um, yeah, you know, he's so- not going to strike out. He's going to put the ball in play. Um, yeah. I mean, I got, I mean, I'll throw a question back at you though. Like, it's like, you were talking about like, Oh, making decisions, knowing that the division is weak, but like, the reality is like, let's say the Cubs had just kept everyone. I mean, the Cardinals still would probably make the same moves they're going to make. Right. Like probably, like it, probably. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, they're going to get a Jack Peterson level guy. Whether they are. Guy, well, you would think so. You would think so. Yeah. That's the other point. They got to do it first. What if they, they, they might just say, you know what? We still see something in, in Tyler O'Neill. <laughs> and um, yeah. But yeah, or Lane um, Thomas or whatever. Yeah, right, I mean, yeah. it's interesting. You know, I mean, I, your hope is that the Cardinals have an active, not a passive, twenty twenty one. I get the sense. You talking about the heading into the season or the season, or itself? just through the season, through this, not not on the field, but like just like that, that they make moves in a forward direction as opposed to a four corner direction where they just kind of hold and run out the yeah. clock. Yeah, I think they can make moves in a forward direction that aren't Preller esque, but perhaps they are. <laughs> but perhaps they are, you know, sensible moves in in the scenario that is 2021 NL Central. That's going to really energize the fan base, huh? I mean, they're going to be they're really going to embrace that, aren't they? Oh my gosh! I mean, I mean, I think that's a lot of our world now is kind of accepting reality. Right, because I, mean, I guess we could have this conversation. What if there wasn't a pandemic, but the card? Let's say there was no pandemic. Same situation, fans in the stands. What are what are we then clamoring for? They're, I guess they bring back Wong, right? They bring back Wong, and then is it get George Springer? Is that the conversation we're having? I mean, I guess I just think that, like you know, regardless of where they are, and I guess you know, no, I don't guess. We know that. You have to look at, look at everything through a 2020 lens. I mean, you have to have 2020 vision at all points. Within that realm, there there is a uh, you know relative action. There's action relative to the circumstance, right? And so, like you were talking about, like okay, what would be the 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 desired action relative to the circumstance if this was a normal off season? Well, certainly the Wong thing, certainly making a play for uh, an answer in the outfield as opposed to maybe going out there looking for another question in the outfield, you know, you could see how that would be an action. I think, you know, now it's um, action relative to the circumstance because the, something different would imply action by the Cardinals, but status quo, that's what I think fans will not respond well to. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Like what is the value of making a move? Like, let's say they say, I'm just throwing this out. This is not actual numbers, but let's say they say we think Tyler O'Neill could actually provide similar offense as the free agent the fans want. 
like realistically. But right. if we don't get a free agent and we stick with O'Neill, we stick with a guy in house, that's not enticing. We got what what is the value of at least making a move to have the fans say, hey, they did something. Right. <laughs> uh, so I mean that 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 I don't know how much that plays into their decision making, but it, it makes for fun podcast talk in, in late December. Do you think that do you think they should think that way? Um I think they should that's a great question because I I, I again I, I mean whether I are they trying to how many tickets will the Jack Peterson sell? I mean that's I mean I think they should do whatever they think can can win the division this year and prepare them to compete with the big boys in the coming year. And whatever whatever strategy that is, do that. Put all your eggs in that basket. Which brings us to like, what are some things you hope to see in major league baseball at large? I know that in your column, you touched on you're you're kind of, well, you're going to touch on bigger themes than just the Cardinals. So what are some things you hope for in 2021 from baseball as a whole? Well, uh, two things right, right away. I mean, 20, 2020 was such a, a beautiful season in regards to activism and, and players stepping up and uh, and saying what was on their minds. And I mean, just the image of Wainwright and Schultz in a Black Lives Matter t-shirt. I mean, I, I really think that like in St. Louis, the Wainwright story that day when he wore the Black Lives Matter t-shirt, when he said, you know, I'm, I'm, it's not about an organization. It's not about this Black Lives Matter. It's about my teammates. It's about my brothers. It's about being doing what's right and being nice in society. That's why I'm supporting this. To have Adam Wainwright, the ultimate Cardinal, say that is was so powerful and so important. I think uh, it was a huge story. So all these things happen in 2020. Fowler and Flaherty doing amazing work. What happens in 2021 and beyond? For not just the Cardinals, but for all the franchises that had that. Uh, here's hoping that that activism, uh, at least off the field, uh, uh, con- continues, and they realize their the players realize their power, their influence, what their voice can do, what their money can do, um, because that that really was such a, a swaying summer, if you will. Uh, that hopefully they they continue to do that. And um, the other thing I, I I have here in my column is is along those lines is last year was was so historic in baseball in regards to race and gender, you know, from, mm-hmm. from um, acknowledging the Negro league statistics as major league as a major league and the black lives matter to women now in dugouts and running a front office. Um, here's hoping that 2021 baseball starts a movement to create a welcoming environment for the LGBTQ community. I mean, I mean, most likely there are numerous uh, L- LGBTQ people in baseball, but not one of them is out of the closet. And here's hoping that in 2021, similar to what baseball did with women and with race, that they take public proactive steps to promote acceptance. And I think it's going to come from twofold. It's going to come from front offices, uh, actual mm-hmm. executives. Uh, and maybe it's an ad campaign. Maybe it's an online campaign where the executives say, uh, we're here to create a, a safe, welcoming environment for our club and in our clubhouses and have them literally say something that is, is assumed but would, would really be important to hear. And that is no player will ever be traded or demoted because of sexual orientation. So I think if the general managers and executives say that and then also have star players, the Trouts, the Mookie Betts, the Scherzers, whomever, uh, doing sophisticated, clever ad campaigns saying about how welcoming baseball is. And that would be a really cool moment. That would really be a big deal and an overdue deal as well. Yeah. And Billy Bean has been a big part of that. You know, I mean, they, what a few years ago, not Billy Bean, the general manager, but uh, right, Billy right. Bean and the executive, um, you know, he came and visited the Cardinals clubhouse and the Cardinals um, facility, spent a lot of time with Mosaic talking about how to, incorporated a message like that, um, how to articulate it. And then he met with the Mets as well. And I, he did a lot more other, he had a lot of other teams and had time. I had a chance to talk with him and I know that, you know, it's, it's been a process for sure. Um, yeah. but at least, you know, he's brought some awareness over the last three years, I guess it is now three, four years, 
um, where those conversations can take place. Um, they yeah. might not be having happening as publicly as you mentioned, which, which is, which is kind of what you're hoping for. Yeah. And, and exactly. And I mean, think about this, like if we're talking about how the game is changing, they did a whole ad campaign. I think it was heading into last season about how the game is changing just with like celebrations and bat flips and let the kids play and let us, mm. you know, if, if the game can change that way, can't the game also change from being more socially aware and more compassionate and, and more welcoming and, my point is like if, if the players can can do a commercial for bat flips and stuff, can't they do a commercial like, hey, if you're gay, I think that's awesome. <laughs> like I mean, imagine like the power of like just Mike Trout looking into a camera and saying like, if I have a gay teammate, that's awesome. I have no problem with that. I, I would hope that someone who's gay uh, or bisexual or whatever it is, uh, is comfortable being a teammate of mine and coming out in our clubhouse. Like that, that's power. That would be, those would be powerful words from a superstar. I'd like to see Major League Baseball urge all of its clubs to to fund to put greater funds and greater salaries into internships. Oh, that's uh, good. You know, yeah. students because if you have because Major League Baseball and their teams, they can use their popularity, they can use that doorway to baseball to suppress salaries even to the point where they can say, well, we have an internship, but it's a not not a paid internship. Don't you want to come work for Major League Baseball? Don't you have dreams of being a GM? And this is your entry point. I think you need to do away with that notion because it is limiting as to who you get. You want more diversity in the front office? Start being a competitive place when it comes to salaries for interns and not use Major League Baseball as as an, as leverage to pay less or pay nothing because then you're only going to get the guys who mom and dad can support. Yeah. And yeah. that is a limit on who can participate in the internships. And that is going to be a limit in the diversity that you get for those internships. You're going to miss out on brain power because you're only going to reward people who can come up with funds elsewhere, um, you know, and, and, or need to have a paid internship to make it possible. Major League Baseball needs to be proactive with that. I know yeah. that this is not a time when they, they'll say that there's excess funds, but that notion has to be baked in, whether that comes from the commissioner's office or that comes from a demand for the teams to do that. If they want more diversity and, you know, they should, um, if they want more, you know, talent as far as front office goes and they want to have more representation than just, you know, the Ivy League club, then look at the lowest levels, look at the interns coming in and start paying them more so that you can get better and more diverse. And you don't ever have to have a young person make the choice that, no, my family needs me to make money for this internship. So I guess Major League Baseball isn't the place for me to go. Yeah, that's really well said, Derek. I'm just <laughs> saying that there are people who have to choose. And I see it in newspapers, too. Where Yeah, it would be a beautiful thing. And, and we're seeing it with, uh, with the Marlins. If we can have a minority top executive who wasn't a former ball player more of that and then that and how does that happen let's make that happen i think that would be a beautiful thing in baseball it was is that uh what what else was there anything else that you wished for in major league baseball well i mean i i i, I would say dick i mean, I mean along with getting the cardinals fans to vote keith hernandez in, the, in their hall of fame what a glaring omission <laughs> that is i mean I, real quick i mean he's of all the retired cardinals he's 18th in war there's 38 guys in the Hall of Fame, and he's not in there. Get him in there. Um, uh, but the, the other thing I think is just kind of simple of like in 2021, I would hope to to be there. If I if I was a, a, a Cardinal fan, I would I, I just look forward to, to having baseball fans back at baseball games and that moment where you're walking around the concourse and you you run in, rub shoulders with someone. You're like, oh, God, I just ran into that guy. And you're like, oh, I just ran into that guy because there's so many people here because there's so many fans excited to be here. And I mean, will that happen in 2021? Will that happen in 2022? Will that happen in 3022? I don't know. This virus might have changed the world uh, forever. But uh, here's hoping we can get back to some normalcy. And, and this is cliche, but there's nothing more normal than sitting at a ball game, eating a hot dog, and uh, applauding your favorite player. But you you can empathize with the fans. I mean, that's something that not not to be overlooked here, but 
like I know you're talking to the fans there, but that's a personal decision for you. You empathize with them and no that question. wish to get back to the ballpark, but also the the difficult decision that that comes with. Yeah, I mean, we had a baby this this summer, and I mean, I love going to the ballpark. It's I mean, it's it's literally like why I why I wanted to come to St. Louis to to go be a part of the the Cardinals journalism culture, be at the ballpark and. But I, I was scared heckless to, to, to go out in public at all. Um, and am I, and what will change in 2021? We'll, we'll see. But yeah, I mean, gosh, I, I, I miss, I miss that. And I'm, I'm sure there's other fans, there's other people in St. Louis who want to do their favorite thing and have been afraid or nervous to do their favorite thing. And um, here's hoping that 2021 provides new opportunities and safer outlooks. Your column on things to look for, things you hope happen in 2021 will run in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch right around New Year's. It'll be at stltoday.com and in the pages of the Post-Dispatch. Another thing that you've started here in the previous month is 10 Hawkman, which is a (laughs) video. Is it a vlog? Is that what we're calling those? I guess. I don't know what it is. (laughs) That's a daily vlog where you talk about, you know, the, the sports topic on your mind. And you conclude every episode by reaching into the Gussie Bush hat and pulling out a random Cardinals baseball card. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you have the hat handy? I do. Yeah, it's right here. All right, draw one. Random cards card. And today for the podcast, the card is Lee Smith. Lee Smith. This is a cool one, Derek. This is a League Leaders Fleer 1992 card, NL Fireman, Lee Arthur Smith. And uh, I remember when I was growing up, uh, that, that season when he set the record for most saves in the National League, the Cardinals were supposed to play at Montreal uh, the final week of the season. But there was something up with like the structure of Olympic Stadium. They had to move the game to St. Louis. So they had 84 home games, I believe, in St. Louis that year. And because of that, uh, my buddies and I were able to go see Lee Smith uh, get this this historic save. Lee Smith has come up a lot here in the past week for me as I looked at the Hall of Fame ballot and tried to figure out how to vote for relievers. Lee Smith, a Hall of Famer. Um, You know, Trevor Hoffman, a Hall of Famer, Mariano Rivera, obviously a Hall of Famer, but what to do with Billy Wagner. So I spent a lot of time ruminating over that. My ballot was due shortly before we recorded this podcast and will be the subject of a forthcoming podcast, probably the first one of 2021. Tell people where they can find 10 Hockman and you do the card every day. Are you going to mix it up and do some blues cards or is it always cards, cards? I haven't thought that far. I guess I would need a, a silly, fun blues hat, though, to, to pick. Maybe I'll get a goalie oh, man. That's the Gussie Bush hat is timeless. It is timeless, yeah. All right, every every weekday morning, 10 Hockman, 10 a.m., stltoday.com. And is there a did, – did my baseball card sneak into your hat? No one – I don't have a Derek Gould card. I would love a Derek Gould card. I don't I – don't, I, don't, I guess I should purchase one off the uh, – eBay. I got to save up though, huh? I don't know. I think they're going, well, it depends on what one you want to get. What's the the Chrome situation? They did a tops Chrome card. They did variety. It's, I'm not quite sure. I understand. Um, (laughs) They, I did not know they were going to do this. They did a tops Chrome version of the card, but there is a green one and that's one of 99. So there's 99 of those. Then there's another one that's of 50. I believe there's a gold Gould card. Go say that. Um, And that's maybe one of 25. And then I heard yesterday from a friend, there's a one of one. uh, No way. That's cool. That that is really cool. I, I, and I think a lot of our, the listeners here on on the podcast might uh, be in the same boat. A lot of people have gotten into baseball cards more in the past year, Um, whether it's, you know, reaching back into nostalgia or just having more time or, or just, money to spend and you're at your computer, but, and then also uh, the rise of the tops project 2020 and how, how yeah, popular that's beautiful. I think a lot of people have gotten into cards. Like I might, if you, a year ago, if you had said like a one, one baseball card, I was like, what is that a reference to like a Ken Griffey junior draft pick card or something. Mm. But now I know that you're talking about like they only made one. And my point is I've learned a little bit more about baseball cards this year. I'm sure some of the people have too. And 
got to get me a one one and one Derek Gould. I hope that coming upon a Derek Gould card in a random pack of tops did not turn off a young fan from baseball cards. <laughs> turn that would off. be a lot to live with. <laughs> like, I was really into this. This was a really exciting time. Baseball cards are booming. Everybody's getting into nostalgia. We're all at home. I want to share these cards with my dad. I can't wait to open this pack. And I got a who? The what's it now? <laughs> And I've ruined it for somebody. No, no, no. I think you'll inspire him or her to be a sports writer. Yeah, they'll be like, man, they put anybody on cards these days. <laughs> no, no, that's awesome. You got a card. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you very much, Benjamin, for joining me, for talking through your your hopes. I, too, hope that there are fans in the stands. That that would be the, the ballparks are empty and haunting um, this year at times. And... Yeah. It's just, it was a lot. And, uh, you know, the ball, the press box was really lacking in, in chatter. And so many of the things that I enjoy about covering baseball just yeah. weren't there this year. And that's because the people weren't. So I, I too hope that most of all, 2021 brings people back to the ballpark. Definitely, definitely. Well, thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Best podcast in baseball is brought to you by Closet by Design of St. Louis. Get organized with Closet by Design of St. Louis. Update your closet, garage, office, pantry, and more. Call 1-800-BY-DESIGN, 1-800-BY-D-E-S-I-G-N. Closet by Design, the official sponsor of the best podcast in baseball. You can find the best podcast in baseball along with Ten Hockman at stltoday.com. You can find all of Benjamin's writing in the pages of the Post-Dispatch. That's also where you can find the Constant Cardinals coverage that we have going on. Lots of things planned. If January is indeed the new December, as Mosellac said, then at least there'll be a lot more to talk about in January. The best podcast in baseball will continue in January. And coming up on Monday in the Cardinals chat, I'll reveal my Hall of Fame ballot and get skewered for it. Um, It's the annual tradition of, you know, the bonfire of the voters. Um, We deserve it because we should be able to be accountable for our votes and defend them. This, I thought Benjamin was going to be a rather straightforward ballot, and it was difficult. It was tricky. Um, It was, it was for, for reasons that are probably very 2020. It got tricky. So I will uh, reveal the ballot and we can discuss it in the next podcast. Well, I won't wish you a happy new year. I'm going to wait to do that. I'm going to wish you a healthy holiday season and a healthy new year. And then when I see you at the ballpark for opening day, I'll wish you a happy new year. How about that? I'll accept it. Thanks so much. I'm looking here at Lee Smith, Lear 92 right now and uh, and, uh, thinking of thinking about you all right let's close with another should we play the song again of course oh my all gosh. right here is baby it's podcast time by annalise crowders and rob crossley refreshing the Missouri is their alma mater the just like And John Hammond is a friend of the show It's truly the best